We are jumping into um, the, the second part of our new series that we started last Sunday, going through the life of Daniel, going through the life of Daniel. And so we kick things off really by just looking at the, the atmosphere of the book, the situation that Daniel is stepping into. Um, I'm not going to try to re-preach that whole thing right now. I'd encourage you to go back, give it a listen if you missed out. But really simply at the core of this, Daniel is being brought along with a lot of other people into captivity. And so we talked about all the things that feel like they shape the destiny, the direction of our lives. We looked at things like difficult circumstances. These might be unfair, seemingly unfair situations that we find ourselves in that are, that are trying, they're hard. There may be difficult circumstances that we end up in that are a direct consequence of our own actions. I mean, that was, that was Israel's situation. They were brought into captivity because of, of their sin, their stubbornness. And so we can find ourselves in trying difficult circumstances and feel like that's the determining factor in my life. I'm just stuck here in this place at this time going through this stuff. The other, the other thing we discovered looking at Daniel's life is another huge factor in our lives is what's happening in the people around us, the culture that we're in. And, and Babylon was very similar to the culture we're in today. It's a culture that runs counter to Jesus Christ, it runs counter to the God of the Bible. It's a culture headed in a completely opposite direction, but it's a culture that wants to permeate our lives. And the whole goal of the Babylonians when they captured Daniel and brought him along with other Jewish folks was to indoctrinate them, to spend three years immersing them in the life and culture of Babylon. And friends, we're in danger because most of us, we were just kind of born and raised here. And we don't even realize all the ways that the culture we're in is indoctrinating us with things that run counter to the gospel. Not only that, sadly, many of God's people throughout history, it was true in Daniel's day and it's true in our day, many of God's people live very compromising lives. We do allow the culture to permeate. And so it's not just outside of the church, but even within the church, Without even trying very hard, it's easy just to sort of look at each other and pick up our cues from one another. And before we know it, we're influencing each other to live compromised lives. And so Daniel stood, stood out from that. And so the reality is we have to purpose to look at our lives and say, despite difficult circumstances and despite um, a, a difficult culture, a compromising church around me, the real thing that is going to determine the course of my life is my character, who I am, what I'm committed to. And so that's what being devoted is all about. Daniel resolved in his heart that he was not going to defile himself. He resolved in his heart, I'm following my king, my God, first and foremost. He is going to be the source of my life. He's going to give me aim and direction. So we ended last week with him kind of resolving that in his heart. Well, how many of you know that resolutions that we make, at some point, they have to turn into action? Anybody remember any maybe New Year's resolutions that you made this year? Anybody want to admit that possibly you made some resolutions that you're not still sticking with? Anybody want to admit that? Just like, you can give a tiny little, just raise a finger or a nod or 
just kind of knowingly in here, right? It's one thing to resolve it. It's another thing to walk it out. And so what we're going to begin to look at as we move further into Daniel's life is what did it look like when he reached the point where it began to cost him something? It's getting real. It's easy to say in my heart, God, I'm resolved to follow you. I'm going to devote my life to you. It's another thing altogether to begin to start taking steps in that direction, to orient our lives that way. Because that entire atmosphere that we described last week, that atmosphere runs opposite to what it means to live a devoted life. So it's difficult. So let's pray one more time and prepare our hearts for this. Then we're going to jump into this. Lord Jesus, would you give us clarity today? God, would you help us to hear from you what it, what it really means to begin living a devoted life, to walk out the very things we have resolved? God, thank you for Daniel and his life and his example. Lord, I pray that we could learn from him, but God, I pray we could move past from observing someone else and we could hear your invitation to live a devoted life with you, for you. Jesus, we need your help to live that out. Thank you that we don't walk alone. Thank you that by your mercy, we get fresh starts. By your grace, we are empowered to live the life that we could not live on our own. So thank you for your presence. Come and be our guide this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. All right, the first point this morning is simply this. Saying yes means saying no. Don't you love those little contradictory paradox type things? Saying yes means saying no. Here's what I mean by that. Let's remind ourselves of the situation Daniel was in. So Daniel chapter one, verse five, and then we're gonna skip down and read verse eight also. So Daniel and his friends are being brought into this environment. They're gonna be trained for three years. It says, the king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. The king assigned it. This isn't just like, you know, your English teacher that maybe you weren't crazy about in, you know, fifth grade assigning you a project. Although man, in fifth grade, that English teacher, she was the queen. He was the king, right? Like we know, we've, we've had kings and queens in our lives, some that were pretty demanding. I'm guessing the king of Babylon that just conquered their country, thrashed their city and brought them into captivity means for them to follow through on his assignment. What do you think? He assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years. And at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. So they were gonna be tested on their assignment. You got three years to eat what I'm telling you to eat, to learn what I'm telling you to learn, and then you're gonna stand before me. Must be a big test if it takes three years to prepare for it. I feel like Nick should give me an amen there. He's lived that, Dr. Nick. Um, all right, verse eight. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, now action is required. He's resolved not to defile himself. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. So the first point of sacrifice is to say yes to devoting himself to the Lord means saying no 
to the king's food and wine. Now I've had some pretty good meals in my day, but I doubt any of it measures up to the steak and wine dinner that's being provided from the king's table. That's gotta be some like legit eating right there. I mean, my mouth's watering thinking about it. Daniel has to say no to this. In saying yes to the Lord, he's saying no to this. Now, just to give us a little sense of why he's saying no to this, um, here's some factors that are just, just hardwired in. Daniel knows the scripture. He knows the Old Testament law and the requirements. And this law was written to anchor God's people as they were moving from Egypt, a place of captivity. They were being established as a people devoted to the Lord. And they were going into a new territory with people who did not know the Lord. In fact, who live lives very far from the Lord. And he said, this stuff is gonna help you stand apart and be different and follow me. And so there were different rules and regulations. There were moral laws, all of that. I'm not gonna unpack all of the entire law. We'd be here for months, okay? But there were a few basic things we need to understand related to the food. One of the primary things is that the food was not, not kosher for at least one or two reasons, all right? There's a very good chance that some, if not all of the food being offered to Daniel, some of the meat was from an unclean animal. Maybe there was pork on the table, as an example, from an unclean animal. But another issue was how the food is prepared. So even the way that it was prepared had to be a certain way to be kosher. And so Daniel knows, man, the food these guys are cooking and the way that they're handling the meat and cooking it, this does not line up with how we're supposed to live and what we're supposed to eat. And so he has to take this stand and say no. Not only that, the food at the king's table had been offered to idols. And they were directly told not to eat food offered to idols. I wanna give you um, a sense of this. From Exodus chapter 34, I'm gonna read kind of a few verses in the range of 10 to 15, just a handful of these. And he said, behold, I am making a covenant before all your people, I will do marvels such as have not been created in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. So God says, I'm setting you apart. I'm gonna do something miraculous in your midst. Who I am, who I'm gonna be in your life, my faithfulness, I'm gonna work miracles in your life. And it's gonna stand out to the people around you that I am different as your God, and therefore you are different as my people. So there's kind of this beautiful promise in here. Therefore, verse 12, take care lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land to which you go, lest it become a snare in your midst. I've got something special planned for you, but watch out. If you begin aligning and looking like and connecting with the culture around you, it'll trip you up. It'll get you off track and you'll go from living faithful and devoted and before you know it, a little step at a time, you'll drift over here. Continues on verse 14. For you shall worship no other God. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Now we hear that, that sounds weird. God's jealous for us. What he's saying is, I'm devoted to you. I'm devoted to you. I'm in. I'm committed. 
I love you. I'm for you. And he's looking for us to reciprocate that. God, you're faithfully devoted to me and you're calling me to be devoted to you. He wants an exclusive relationship with us. Verse 15, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land and when they whore after their gods. He's using terms of intimacy to describe his relationship with us. He's saying, it's like cheating on me when you align yourself with the gods of this world and sacrifice to their gods and you are invited, you eat of his sacrifice. He's saying it's not a small thing when you join in what they're doing. They throw these big parties, they have all this fancy food, they're offering it to their idols and then they're partaking together. And he's saying every step in that direction, it's like a snare tripping you up and getting your eyes off of me. Little by little, their mentality becomes your mentality. Little by little, our relationship stops being unique, special, exclusive, and it will be a snare in your life. Now, Daniel knows this truth and friends, he's watched it. Israel's behavior ran opposite to this warning. It's why they're in captivity. They're in the state they are in because of this. Now, I think the, the church at times gets attacked and beat up and accused of things. And it really is just the enemy trying to make God's people look bad. I believe that. I believe the church gets unduly criticized. But I also believe there are some real problems in the church. We're not aligned with our God. We're not faithfully devoted to him. It's not what he says first and then I orient my life around that. And so out of, out of whatever reasons, we compromise. Trying to be relevant to the culture or whatever. We compromise. Friends, saying yes means saying no. I, not only am I a married guy, but I've had the privilege of doing a lot of weddings in my life now. It's one of my favorite things to do. Marriage, it's such a special thing. The wedding day, it's such a wonderful celebration. It's such a meaningful moment. And there's things that we say in that moment. We make vows, we make commitments. After the wedding day becomes the life that is lived where we choose, we purpose to live out those vows day by day by day. And there's a really simple yet core principle when we get married. When I looked at my wife, Amy, and said, yes, I will, I do. When I said that yes to her, you know what else I was saying? No to everybody else. No to everybody else. Everybody I'd ever met, everybody I would meet. That one yes to this one person was a no to everyone else. Friends, we, we gotta learn to consider the power of our yeses and then therefore what we are saying no to. Our yeses matter. Well, de being devoted to Jesus is the same thing. It's, it's giving him a committed and faithful yes. And it means saying no to all else. That's what devotion is. I, I wanna give you a picture of this. Paul, 
Paul writes this beautiful picture, I believe, of this to Titus. You know, we hear a lot about Timothy. Titus is another young pastor, young leader that Paul poured into, and Titus served alongside of him. His name pops up over and over again in the New Testament. And so when Paul writes to Titus, he shares these words. I want you to hear this. Titus chapter three, verse three. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. You know, I don't, I don't usually like to look at the things that, that I enjoy, you know, passions and pleasures as things that I'm a slave to. But that's the reality. He was saying, look, this was all of us. Friends, the first thing I, I hope you hear this morning, when we're talking about being devoted to the Lord. I said this last week, I'm gonna emphasize it along the way. This is not about us being perfect. In fact, it's realizing we aren't. In fact, it's realizing there have been lots of times in my life where I've not been devoted to the Lord. I have lived like this. I have been disobedient. I have been foolish. I have been led astray. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Love that old song. Devotion doesn't mean we're better than others. It doesn't mean I got my stuff together and you don't. The starting point of devotion is realizing his faithful devotion to me. It's realizing his mercy in my life. It's realizing he'll take me as I am. He'll take this unfaithful bride as his own. That's amazing. He takes me as I am. I come as I am. Devotion starts with just an honest acknowledgement of who we are when we're left to ourselves. When I'm left to myself, I'm anything but devoted. But he takes me as I am. Now, what happens? What changes? Paul continues, verses four through seven. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Christ Jesus, our savior. So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. I get to enjoy all of the benefits of belonging to him because of who he is and what he has done. He has loved me well. He has loved me sacrificially. His goodness has shown up in my life. While I was a still sinner, Christ died for me. In my moments, and weak, weakness, uh, my, my moments of weaknesses and failures now, my moments of unfaithfulness now, his mercy is new. Guys, devotion starts with him. He's the one that's fully faithfully devoted. And he has come and he has rescued me. And he cleanses me. He makes me new. 
He says, hey, you can be my bride. And you know what? It's all right. You can wear white because I've made you white as snow. That's the work of my blood shed for you. Guys, we can't ever lose sight of this. We can't, we can't forget this. Our Savior loves us. He's redeemed us. He's cleansed us. So where does devotion fit in? Well, it certainly doesn't save us. It certainly doesn't save us. So our imperfection over here, it has not disqualified us. Our imperfection doesn't shut us out. And it doesn't allow us to judge others because we're all in the same boat. And then here, standing in his love, I'm not saved because of my devotion. I'm saved because of his devotion. I'm made clean. I'm made new because of his love in my life. So where does devotion fit? The next verse, verse eight. The saying is trustworthy. And I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Devotion is not earning us salvation. It's not that at all. Devotion is a right response to our loving God. Our devotion to him is our right response. And it's good and profitable for us. There's a lot of things that look good and desirable. And saying no to them is hard. The FOMO is strong. Fear of missing out? Okay. I think that's what it means. I don't know. I'm the last person that should be up here trying to use any of this terminology. Listen, it's real. Like we laugh about that and like we can hear this. It just sounds so simple. Jake, you didn't even have to spend 10 minutes on this. Like you could have just said, we say yes and it means we say no. Yeah, but like we have to do that. (laughs) Right? That's the issue. I got to be willing to say no. But when I'm saying no, the thing that holds me strong is when I'm saying no, I'm saying yes. If I think he's demanding it, I guess I got to say no, I'm missing out. I'm missing out on this because this is so much better. What he offers, his goodness, life in him, living wholly devoted and connected to him, it's the best way to live. The food he's got lasts. Jesus said that. I've got food that you know not of. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And you know what his words are to us? I love you. I'm for you. I'm with you. There's a life I have for you. It's going to cost you a lot of no's. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. There's going to be a world around you that is opposed to this. There are going to be desires within you that are drawn away. But I love you. And if you'll say yes to me, it's the best life you could live. I'm devoted to you. Come be devoted to me. 
Let's walk in an exclusive love relationship with the eternal God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Saying yes means saying no. But every time we have one of those moments, one of those decisions where I need to say no to this, the, the enemy would love for you to just focus on what you're saying no to or trying to say no to or failed to say no to. But the Lord says, don't look at that. Look at me. Say yes to me. And a yes to me will set you free from all these no's. And so Daniel started walking this road. He started walking this road. He resolved that he was not gonna defile himself. Therefore, he said, I wanna opt out of this. Now, here's what's interesting. The minute Daniel takes his very first step of devotion, something happened that will happen to every single one of us. Friends, when we begin to challenge ourselves by being devoted, it will critique others. I'm not talking about judgment. We'll address that in a minute. I'm just saying our action to take a step forward, to be devoted to the Lord, that action, not, not that we're purposing or trying to critique others, that action will critique others. When you live different, it stands out. People take note. We aren't devoted in a vacuum. Daniel didn't go away and become a monk somewhere. He's living in the midst of this Babylonian culture with people in authority over him who run opposite to his God, with people around him who are compromising and going along with it. And his simple step to say, I'm not gonna do that, I'm gonna do this, it was challenging for him, but it's challenging other people too. And so the first thing he had to do was go to the guy in authority and say, I don't wanna eat that. I don't wanna drink that. And this guy immediately knew it would affect him, right? It's just, it's just Daniel, he just wants to eat something. Why would it bother that guy? It shouldn't affect him at all, but it does. Check this out. We're gonna pick up verse eight again. So Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. That's pretty encouraging. So I take this step of devotion to the Lord and already in an unseen way, God's working behind the scenes to clear a path for me. And so God gave him some favor. Verse 10, and the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my Lord, the king. <laughs> you don't wanna follow his assignment. I'm in charge of you to make sure you do follow his assignment. I'm afraid of what the king's gonna do to me. Sorry, I lost my place. I fear my Lord, the king, who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you were in worse condition than the other youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. See, the minute Daniel starts acting on his devotion, it impacts people around him. The guy doesn't think, good for you, Daniel, that's great, bold, courageous step. 
he's doing what we all kind of do, right? He's going, what's this going to cost me? Your devotion puts me at risk. You're supposed to eat this good food for you that's going to help you be strong and successful here. And now you want me to present you to the king and you're in worse shape than the others? Like, this might hurt me. This might cost something. This guy's saying, look at what your devotion might cost me. Now, I want you to notice this. This is really interesting. Daniel takes into consideration the chief eunuch's concern. He takes it into consideration. And he seeks to address it while also remaining devoted. This is so interesting. See, many of us, the minute we step into devotion, our response might either be to go, oh, okay, never mind. That was difficult. It's all good. And we, like, we just back off because we don't want to deal with the confrontation. Or some of us are like, sweet. <laughs> Bring on the confrontation. I'm going to take my bold, courageous stand and shove it in your face. But Daniel doesn't do that. He listens to this man's concern and he seeks to address it while remaining devoted. See, he doesn't give an obstinate response, but a faithful and wise response. Verse 11, something happens here, something changes. So he's got some favor with this chief guy that's in charge of all these guys being trained. He's got some favor with him. The guy didn't say no. He just said, I'm worried about the impact this is gonna have on me. If you go before the king and you're not in good shape, it's gonna reflect poorly on me. And so Daniel goes and he involves yet another person. Verse 11, then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel. So this is kind of a lower level guy. That's the one directly responsible for Daniel. And he goes to the steward who'd been assigned over Dan, Daniel and his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. Verse 12, test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. There is some stuff in here that we could very easily miss. Daniel holds his ground while being respectful to the authority that's been placed over him. By the way, ungodly authority. He holds his ground while being respectful to the authority he has been placed under. Notice everyone that's challenged by Daniel's devotion. There's Ashpenaz, that's the chief of the eunuchs. If you've got a good old King James, it'll tell you the name of the steward, Melzar. So we've got the chief of the eunuchs, He's worried about how it might affect him. Now he's got this steward that's directly in charge of him. And he's going, I want permission to do this. Why don't you observe what takes place? Now notice Daniel brings some other people into the equation. He says, observe me and my friends living this way and eating this way. And notice how we measure up against all the other youths, all these other people who aren't living this way. Now, now he's broadened the people that's going to impact. But I want, you to, I want you to notice how Daniel's walking this out. Pay close attention. He says, deal with your servants according to what you see. 
He does not say, we're going to look better than them. He doesn't say that. He just says, would you allow me to live out of my convictions? You're concerned it's going to impact you, but, but Daniel's not putting his trust in those guys. He's putting his trust in the Lord. If God's called me to live devoted to him, I'm going to believe that his ways are right and good and beneficial in my life. And so I'm going to trust him with the outcome. Notice Daniel wasn't putting this to a test for himself. He wasn't like, let me try out this whole being devoted to God thing. He's committed. But he's coming in wisdom under the authority God has placed him under. And he's saying, will you allow me to do this? You observe and see. How does this play out in my life? What does this look like? He doesn't say I'm gonna look better than those guys. He just says, take note, pay attention, observe us. And he's believing God's gonna take care of it. He's believing that God is gonna oversee this whole situation. And so the steward will be all right. If Daniel and his guys look okay, compared to everybody else, they're not lagging behind, falling behind, he'll be all right. And then he'll feel comfortable standing underneath his authority figure, the chief, and saying, hey, these guys, they, they look good, right? They're doing all right. They're, they're succeeding. They're successful. They're doing all right. And, and so Daniel is entrusting the ultimate authority and then coming underneath the God-established authority at this time. It's pretty incredible. I don't, I don't think we realize how difficult it is to walk this stuff out. Guys, if we begin to make changes in our lives, we begin to live lives devoted to the Lord, there will be people around you who feel like they're being critiqued by you. Your willingness to live a little different, look a little different, act a little different, people will feel critiqued by that. They'll feel challenged by it. Like maybe they're even, like it demands something of them. We feel that. And, and the choice in front of us, when we're walking out our devotion with the Lord, guys, the choice in front of us is kind of one of two things. So I want you to consider this because Daniel was able to walk this incredible tightrope where he wasn't giving in, he was able to stand strong, but he was, wasn't walking like in judgment. He wasn't bullying people, pushing them around. And so I want you to just, I would encourage you to consider kind of the way that you're naturally wired, how you naturally respond when you meet opposition. Consider this. What are you more prone to? Are you more prone to being worried about offending others? And so you would lean more, gravitate more towards the side of, of compromising your convictions so as not to offend? Is that something you struggle with? Or are you possibly a little more on the side of like, you might actually enjoy standing strong, but it really just turns into more of like a religiosity, judgment, condemnation, argumentative, bullying. See this, this tension, the church falls into this. And a lot of what happens as we interact with the culture around us is the church comes across one of these two ways. The church either starts compromising like crazy and, and out of the voice of like, 
love, not wanting to offend, we compromise in areas we should not be compromising in under the guise of like, I'm presenting the love of God. And really I'm just misrepresenting him and his character by living a compromised life and telling people it's okay. And we fall into that. Or a large portion of the church responds in the exact opposite way. We're more than happy to condemn all those pagans and shove it in their face and be angry and condemning and judgmental because I got my stuff together. We're not called to that. Daniel found a way to live his life honoring, respecting those around him, yet he didn't compromise his convictions. Man, it's hard enough saying no to a bunch of stuff to say yes to him. But now I gotta realize as I step into this potentially challenging way of life, it might challenge some other people around me. <clears throat> now, if you think this is just me drawn from some Old Testament story, look at the next few verses back in Titus where we were given this roadmap to devotion, anchored in the Lord's love and anchored now in us living out faithfully devoted lives. Look at the very next thing he says, verses nine through 11. You're gonna live devoted, good works, excellent and profitable for our people. Great, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions and quarrels about the law for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. Am I faithfully devoted to Christ or just faithfully devoted to being right? Guys, healthy devotion will invite and inspire others. That, that's what healthy devotion will do. It will invite and inspire others. I wanna close with this, last point. Daniel's personal devotion to the Lord became an invitation for others. They're just kind of, they're just kind of randomly sort of hidden and sprinkled in here, but like he's got three friends. And all, all of these Jewish folks who've been brought into captivity, only four of all of them are ever mentioned as, as being devoted, not compromising. Daniel's got three friends. And so, yeah, his life, his choices impact all these other people, but look at these guys. Chapter one, verse 11, and the first part of verse 12. Then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Test your servants for 10 days. Daniel's personal decision and devotion somewhere along the way as he's wrestling this out and figuring out how to walk it through, a couple of people took notice. And they said, man, I'm with that guy. I'm with that guy. He's different. He stands out. There's something going on here. There's something special here. I'm with that guy. And so they aligned themselves with Daniel and said, we want in on this. And so verses 14 through 16, so the steward allowed him to do it. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance 
and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. It just means he made it permanent. The test proved itself. These four stood out. And so now even the pagan leader is going, wow, this is actually working pretty gate. Great, I don't even wanna let y'all have any more of that stuff. I'm gonna have the cream of the crop here. Daniel's devotion impacted his friends. They joined in and now their faithfulness and their devotion, it began to stand out. So even people who didn't follow the Lord, their circumstances were made better because of Daniel's devotion. That is a principle that you will see throughout the scripture. When faithful, godly people show up, the people around them benefit. I, I learned years ago this, this story. You can, you can go check this out. Saddam Hussein was known for hiring and surrounding himself with Christians to work around him in his home because he knew he could trust them. Think about that. This like terrorist opposed to God leader benefited from the faithfulness of Christians because he knew he could trust them. I mean, if that doesn't testify, I don't know what will. That's the circumstance Daniel's in. The people around him who don't follow the Lord get to benefit from his devotion. This is the power of the yes. We have no idea what wonderful things are on the other side of that yes when we're willing to say the no's. And so finally, I just wanna close with these couple verses. Verse 17. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel, the guy that set the tone, he got a little something extra special. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. What God provides for those who trust him will always be better than what we can accomplish on our own. But it will cost us something. It's a hard road, but it's a good road, friends. I want to leave you with these words. At the end of the time, when the three years is over, when the king had commanded that they be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in. You bet he did. You bet he did. He's like, I'll boldly bring these guys in. Check these guys out. The one who was worried about how it reflect on him is now happy to be represented by Daniel and his faithful friends. He brings them in before Nebuchadnezzar and the king spoke with them. And among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king. Friends, when we bow down to the one true king, we can stand before any other king. Who are we gonna be devoted to? Who are we gonna fear? Am I worried about man's approval? Am I worried about not offending? Does my pride enjoy offending? Am I devoted to being right? Right? 
or do I look at my king and his great love and devotion to me? And do I just say yes to him and forsaking all others, wholly devoted to Jesus? Let's pray. Lord, thank you once again for Daniel's life that still speaks to us here, his devotion. Lord, I pray that we would draw some inspiration from him to live life's lives of devotion to you, to say yes to you. God, would you give us the strength and the courage to say all of those no's along the way? God, thank you every time we face a difficult no, that the truth is we're saying yes to you one more time. God, would you help us to walk this hard road when we live lives devoted to you? God, it's different than the world around us. God, help us to walk that road where we respect and we honor the people around us, but we don't compromise in our walk with you. God, may our devotion be an invitation to others to know and follow you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.